So glad to see you. We are in part three of A Way Out. Uh, this whole series has been about a way out of temptation, and it's going to just be four sessions long. So we're halfway through, and we'll be three-quarters of the way through in just a little bit. Now, just by way of review, in this series so far, in the first session together, we were learning that... Uh, well, we used that little old 70s asteroid game as an illustration of how sometimes temptation's coming at you and sometimes it's too much. It's coming, coming, coming. You hit the button and then you enter into not hyperspace but hyper grace and come out of the scenario where the temptation is too much for you and by the grace of God, you find a way out. Um, that's just a little short synopsis of a review from that first session. There's always a way out. A little review from the second session, we were going through a description from James of the degrading stages of the temptation process and how one thing leads to the other to the other. But the main thing we learned is temptation really has a hold on us because of self. And where self is the problem, self is not the answer. And so a self-help's not going to work. A willpower is not going to work. Trying harder is not going to work. Again, uh, the emphasis was at any stage along the way, wherever you are in those degrading stages in the process, turn to God, submit to God, and then you will be able to resist by his empowerment. Again, that was the emphasis. I'm really excited about tonight because we're starting to learn something more than just the turning point where there's the escape. We're learning a little bit beyond that. And so we're going to talk about walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. Now, <laughs> we've been joking around a little bit because this message is so theologically loaded. It's like, uh, here's all the major doctrines of the Bible in 30 minutes or less. You know, it's like, ah! And uh, sometimes when it's all that stuff that I'm trying to help us understand, I, I feel like I, I kind of wish I had two great jokes and a wonderful story to insert right about here. And I'm just letting you know, I don't have them, all right? We're going to be jumping into the stuff that's just, it's, it's theologically complex. I'm going to try to make it understandable. But here's how it will become really meaningful to you. You don't need a joke. You don't need a story because this is all about you. And if you open your ears and think through from your perspective how this is true, I think light bulbs are going to go on and you're going to go, wow, oh, that's so true. You're right. And, and you're going to kind of be in the middle of this message. Now, <clears throat> before we move on, uh, I don't want you to raise your hands. How are we doing if you've been here for the last two sessions? Are you really motivated in this battle against temptation? And you feel like, oh man, this is really, really helpful? Well, if you're anything like me, it's like, oh man, I had no idea I'm tempted as much as I am. And wow, I'm not succeeding every time. It's like, oh, I'm totally motivated, but it's like hit and miss, hit and miss. And you're thinking, and you're speaking to us? Okay, I hope you want to hear more <laughs> because we're going to actually learn that it's, it's more than a hit and miss process where we're just find that way out here and yes, we hit that, oops, we didn't find our way out here and 
better luck next time. No, no, we're going we're gonna to learn some things that I think are really, really helpful. Just a real quick um, story. Early in the week, um, our internet service provider failed us. Okay, maybe that's not a temptation to you, but um, <clears throat> I called, and this voice was very pleasant, but hard to understand, technical support, and at first it's like, are you a recording? I couldn't say that, but everything was like memorized and recorded in not quite English. <laughs> it was like, and I wanted to give her a piece of my mind. It was a piece that I couldn't afford to lose. There's not very many pieces up there, you know? And, and it's like, oh, okay, please. Um, I hope you don't have caller ID that says, this is a pastor, this is a pastor, or anything like that, you know? It's like, and, then, and get away from the phone. It's like, oh. she was saying, yeah, no, we can't get a service tech out there until next week. And I'm thinking in my brain, okay, so are you going to cut my bill in cut a quarter of the bill off this month. I have a whole week of non-service here. You know, I didn't say this. Maybe I will. Anyway, temptation. Um, that's just a little piece of it, you know, and then, then, oh, while watching the grandchildren, something rises inside of me. It's like, where did that come from? It's like, ah, take this child. <laughs> There's this mysterious scream where I couldn't console. It's like, what is going on? I don't have the answer. You take this child. Okay, so temptations are all the time there. Now, did I find the way out? Well, I didn't kill the child. <laughs> you know, that's good. All right, so a way out. Walk by the Spirit. When self is the problem, you need more than self. Our focus for today reads like this, and I'm really excited about we're going beyond where we've been and Here's our focus. Finding a way out of temptation requires turning to God for help. We've been there two weeks in a row. And walking with him. A turning point and a process. So far, we've really emphasized the turning point aspect and that God is always there. And if you turn to him, he's going to be right there for you. But my experience is that leaves me in kind of the hit or miss scenario. Sometimes I'm good, sometimes I fail. And it just seems like um, if you're not careful, that's all you view this whole equation. Maybe even as you hear preachers on the radio or hear me as a gospel preacher, occasionally you might get the wrong impression that it's all about the turning point. And as long as you get the turning point, the rest is easy. I'm here to tell you it's more than just the turning point. We need to learn a whole new process so that those temptations that are frequent become less frequent, that they're intense become less intense, they're devastating, they become less devastating, the frequency between the failures start to be elongated, and how hard it is becomes less hard. Now, there's a process that we need to enter into where we see a greater degree of victory rather than just viewing it as a hit and miss turning point. Yes, if I just turn to God, then it's easy. I don't want to give off that impression because we're going to experience temptation until we meet the Lord. It never is going to be at a place where we're never tempted again. I want you to say this with me. 
I have not arrived. All right. I did this with the, both audiences this morning, and it was during one of the, uh, after the whole thing was said and done, and I, I, I said a bunch of other stuff, too, that you're going to hear as well. As this gentleman is walking out, he says, when you said, I have not arrived, that we're on a journey, and that we haven't arrived yet, I was so hoping that you were going to finish it by saying, but I'm so glad I left. You know, that we're on this journey, that we left a place where we were completely dominated by our temptations, completely dominated where, where we were out of control, and I left that. We're still in process. Yes, I've not arrived yet, but I've left that at least. That's good, okay? So keep that in mind. Now, <clears throat> I don't think that uh, maybe there's anybody in here that really feels like, oh, yeah, your series has been great. Haven't been tempted at all. I have arrived. It's been good. There's not been a, I haven't fallen, in fact, I haven't fallen for a long, long time. Let me talk to your wife, all right, to see if she agrees, okay? Because you may just be this, you know, not quite aware uh, situation. We're going to jump right into the text that we've been in uh, all through the series, and we'll be jumping from there into other texts, but let's begin with 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, so far we've been looking at this from the standpoint, he provided a way out. That's the turning point. We turn to God and we find this way out. Yay! Now we're moving into the next phase where after we found the way out, yes, now we're entering into a process where we actually grow and we move further and further away from this area that keeps capturing us. So that's where we're going. Galatians 5, 16, one sentence, one line, but oh, how packed this line is. So, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is so theologically loaded that I'm going to just pause on three words before we move on. The first word I want us to pause on is this one, walk. All right, we've already said together, I have not arrived. We are on a journey. We are walking away from a place that was a place where we were dominated by sin, and we're walking towards glory, but we have not arrived. What is the process that we're walking on this journey where it gets easier and easier to find victory? That's what we're talking about tonight. Paul uses this phrase walk um, over 30 times. And translations don't always translate it walk. I don't know what translation you're reading out of. Sometimes it says live in the spirit, live by the spirit as a translation of the word walk. But the literal rendering is walk. And I like it because it emphasizes process. Step by step with the spirit depending on the spirit. Now, here's what I want to just emphasize. We're not talking about walking 
with God in a religious set of written codes and written instruction and learning all about these principles and learning this, oh, this has been so great. We've learned about the stages of temptation. We've learned that there's always a way out and we just pray and we do this as if it's just these things that we learn and now we know this and now we can do this. Mm -mm -mm. That's where self is involved and you're thinking, now I've got the willpower with the information, I can do this. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. This is a step-by-step walking not with a dead letter code system, but a living presence of God system. This is a, a, a process where we're on a journey and we don't have to do it alone. This is amazing to learn how to walk by the Spirit. Now, do you see how there's a promise here? So I say, walk by the Spirit, and then what will happen? You will what? It's on the screen not gratify the desires of the flesh. So now we're gonna break this down, figure out what this is talking about. So the next word I want us to focus on is the word gratify. My temptation is to, um, I shouldn't have used that word. Uh, I want to define the word gratify, and I, I wanna to go to the English word and uh, give you a definition from the English dictionary, but that's not really gonna do it for us. Gratify is a English translation of a Greek term. And so I'm gonna take the Greek term, I won't even tell you what it is, and tell you what the normal translations of the Greek term would be. Don't finish the desires of the flesh. Don't complete the desires of the flesh. Don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so we interpret all of that and go, well, that means don't gratify the desires of the flesh. A lot of times we use the word gratify in English as a very positive thing, right? Oh, I, I feel so gratified, which kind of is like satisfied. Well, this is saying if you walk by the Spirit, you will not finish what you're, we're gonna define flesh next, you're not gonna finish what the flesh desires are asking you to finish. You're just gonna leave it hanging it's going to be unsatisfied as you're learning to walk by the Spirit. So that's, that's as far as we're going to go with those two words. Now the next word that I want us to just kind of talk about is this word flesh. Not every translation will translate it out flesh. They want to try to make it more understandable. And, and it makes sense why they would want to interpret a little bit more so we don't get confused. Because not gratify the desires of the flesh? Are you kidding me? Like, if I don't gratify the desires of the flesh, I'll, like, die. Because my flesh says, I need food and water. And if I don't gratify those desires, if I leave those desires hanging, and I just unfulfill them, I don't eat when I'm hungry, I don't drink when I'm thirsty, I will, excuse me, die, right? All right, so what does the flesh mean? So now we've got to figure out how Paul uses the term flesh. And uh, I'm taking you through volumes and volumes of word studies and how it's used in all these different places to try to boil it all down to something easy to get hold of and understandable. If it's too simplistic, I'm sorry. But this really helps me a lot. So on the screen is a quick definition that we'll use as our working definition. Our inherited 
tendency toward living a self-centered life instead of a godly life is what Paul is referring to when he describes flesh. Now, let me help you understand that. He's not talking about my bodily appetite, although that's involved. He's saying, if you're walking by the Spirit and depending upon the presence of the living God in your life, you will be able to leave these desires which you have inherited, which is a self-centered desire, you'll be able to leave that self-centered desire hanging unfulfilled. I don't have to do that. I don't have to live out my self-centered desire because God has something better for me where it's God-centered. It's godly instead of self-centered. So where appropriate, even the physical appetites can be left unsettled. Where appropriate, I could even decide, you know what? My eating's out of control. I'm gonna go through a period of fasting where I'm gonna leave it hanging, unfinished, unfulfilled, the satisfaction that I'm yearning for, I'm just gonna leave it hanging for the purpose of depending upon God as my center. So even for a period where it's appropriate, I might set aside food. I haven't set aside drinking yet. <laughs> Water, I've never tried to, <laughs> might be worthwhile for Arizona, three hours, you know, try that out, I don't know. But even that, there's a time for fasting that's a different sermon. But we're not really even talking about that. We're talking about the self-centered bent that we have towards a please me, I'm gonna do this, this is for me right now. And every one of us has tailored our own responses of the flesh to a self-centeredness that is unique to us. And so as you listen, you're gonna listen with what's unique to you in those areas of temptations towards self-centeredness. The answer is a process of leaving that unfulfilled for a greater fulfillment while you're walking with the Spirit, all right? Now, let's take this a little further. As we're back in Galatians, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh, what we're we talking about here, this self-centered bent that we've inherited, by the way, I forgot to explain that. Uh, all of us are sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, We've inherited now a sinful nature. That's how some um, scriptures translate the flesh. A sinful tendency, I call it a default dangerous desire towards self-centeredness that we're born with. Nobody teaches us this. All of us have this. And it becomes tailor-made to us how we express this self-centeredness for the self-centered desires is contrary to the spirit. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. What God wants and what the spirit wants in our life over here is completely different than what our default dangerous desires want. They are in conflict. Okay, do you see that word? Conflict. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Th this is pretty huge. 
I don't think we even realize it a lot of times. I am right now in a conflict. I'm in a conflict between my self-centered desires and my godly desires. Just in case you're not aware of how that works, and I'm not alone, I'm going to default and defer to uh, super apostle Paul, who we think, man, he's holy. He really had it together. Wow, he's walking with God. He really knows his stuff. Watch what he describes. He says it this way. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. What's the deal with him? Is he like schizophrenic? <laughs> he, he, he can't even figure himself out. He wants to do good, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't want to do what's wrong, but he does. He's got a problem. No, no, no. We all have a problem. This is something we all deal with. I don't know if you get it, but I get it. I totally want to do good. In fact, I want to do good all the time because I'd love to be like super gym. I'd love to be a super gym husband. I'd love to be a super gym dad. I'd love to be a super gym grandpa where everybody thinks, man, he is amazing. I mean, my life would be blessed and wonderful if I was just able to always do good. I want that, but the very thing I want, I don't do. I end up doing stupid gym. You know, where I do the self-serving stuff. And sometimes I'm doing it, I don't even know I'm doing it. And somebody says, uh, that was kind of mean. Oh, I, yeah, I guess that did sound kind of mean. Why did I sound kind of mean right there? I was a self-serving something, came up. And you know, and when I handed a little grandchild over, ah, something inside of me, it's a self-serving something, it's like mm, impatience, it's not godly. Where did that come from? So the very things I want to do, I'm not always doing them. And so we need to get a hold of this. And you know what? I really believe Christians recognize that they're in conflict more than people who are not believers. People who are not believers, they're just doing whatever they want. But do you see what this is saying, uh, the verse before? If you are doing whatever you want, that is opposed to what the Spirit wants. If you're walking by the Spirit and doing what the Spirit wants, you're actually not doing whatever you want. Okay? And only Christians get this. It's like, ah, I can't really do whatever I want. And we actually recognize from reading Scripture and looking into the mirror of the Word of God, it identifies, and we go, oh, yeah, I am in conflict. I have these dangerous desires that are self-serving. And for me, it's, it's like, ding, Pavlov's dog. You know, it's like, I have my little bell that rings my salivation. I want this for me that's totally different than yours. And you have your own tailor-made set of self-centered things that are calling you to fulfill your urges. I would love to have this, ding, yes. You know, your thing is different than my thing. And that's what we gotta identify as a dangerous desire. So now that we've got some of this, are we ready to move past the intro? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, there's a message here. Point number one, here's what we do. You gotta figure out the process to get past just the hit or miss 
turning point and so we have a greater degree of effectiveness working our way past all of those stages that we degraded ourselves into, we need to learn how to, what you feed grows. This is true physically, we, we get this. I really get this. When I eat too much, I grow. I grow in shapes I don't like so much, okay? And, and it, what you feed grows. Now, I'm not just talking bodily, but spiritually speaking, if I feed my flesh, my self-centered bent, that self-centered bent grows, even to the degree that it acts like a power that controls me. Now my self-centeredness begins to control me and other people recognize that before I do, okay? And so what you feed grows. Point number two, what you starve dies, okay? Now this works both ways. So if I starve the fleshly impulses and I say no and I leave hanging and I don't fulfill, I don't finish the urge that's asking me to finish that urge and I starve it, it diminishes and dies. And as it's diminishing and dying, it's getting smaller and smaller in intensity because I'm walking further and further away from it. But I'm still in this conflict. It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. As I'm walking by the Spirit and enjoying a greater degree of fulfillment and joy and blessing, leaving the fleshly self-serving bent further and further behind on this journey. But lo and behold, my journey's not over. Something else crops up. Ooh. And then something else crops up, ooh. And I have to walk through this process where it's getting better and better, easier and easier. So what is it that you need to feed? And what is it that you need to starve? You need to feed your relationship with God. You need to starve your self-serving impulses. Leave it unfinished. And that's what we're talking about. So now we are ready to move on. Point three. How to gain victory over default dangerous desires. Got to give you a little bit of time before writing this down because we're going right into A. Learn to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. We all have default dangerous desires. This is, we resist it, but this is the doctrine of humanity. This is who we are. Since Adam and Eve, we don't have any choice. We inherited a self-centered bent, okay? By the way, a lot of us don't even recognize that how the self-centered bent works sometimes in our relationship with God. We, we think, this is my life. This is, this is my private life. I want my private life, and I want to do my thing. And then God, who's calling us to follow Jesus, says, whoa, 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 whoa. Private life? I've called you to be a follower of me. Oh, I know, and I'm doing good stuff. I, I gave it the office, whatever. I, I helped so-and-so, I did that, and that ministry, I served at the church, and I did that. Now, this is my time. I want, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do this. And we kind of privatize our world, okay? Watch out, because we're all called to be followers of Jesus all the time. Learning to walk in this process that is fulfilling and joyful ministry all the time. Do I have this all the time? No, I don't. And I'm a pastor in full-time ministry. Okay? Do you have it all the time? No. I have not arrived yet. 
But this process is what I'm trying to help us realize that as we feed this and grow in this, that becomes less problematic and this becomes more joyful and this becomes less intense because we've actually moved away, left it hanging for a little bit. I mean, very practically speaking. When I'm at a great meal, it's like right then and there, seconds, is urging me on, right? Oh, man, that was so good. When I go for thirds, it's like I should be putting on the brakes, but I have been feeding the flesh so much. I mean, thirds calls for me. It's like if a little bit is good and a little bit more is better, I mean, a little bit more is even better. I walk away going, oh, man, it hurts, right? If I would have just stopped at one, Although my flesh says more, more, and leave it hanging, if I get away from it, I mean, really, if I get away for just 10 minutes, it's like that urge diminishes. Oh, I'm satisfied. Do I have this down? No, I don't, okay? Honest? No, that's one of my areas. But I'm learning that if I can just leave it hanging there and get further and further away from it, it's like it diminishes. But this is true in all areas where the whatever area, ding, Whatever, whatever you're salivating at, ding, the bell goes off, Pavlov's dog, we are the dog, and we salivate at whatever, it's like, oh, this is what I want, the urge is there. We've got to learn how to depend on the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, do what the Spirit wants, which means we don't do whatever we want. If we're doing whatever we want, guess what's happening? We're not walking with the Spirit, okay? Let's go to Romans 8. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Let's just pause there for a second. Okay, remember I said this is all about, you know, all the major doctrines of the Bible in 30 seconds or less, 30 minutes or less. Um, We're going to ask the question, who is God? And the Jews, they learned that God is one. And Jesus told us that, well, that's true, but God is a unity, one, and there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we discover and we read the scriptures, there's actually this unified plurality all through scripture. The theologians apply a label to it. The label that they apply to it is the Trinity, now, you just need to understand, people will come to you and say, the Trinity's not in the Bible. The word Trinity's not in the Bible. That's just a theological label. The concept is throughout the Bible, okay? That God is not this simplistic uh, mono-being. He is a tri-unity of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Jesus, right before he was crucified, he said this to his disciples to comfort them. I'm going away, and it's actually going to be better for you that I do. Because when I go away, I'm going to be able to send my spirit. And when I send my spirit to be with you, it's going to be like me being with you, but even better. Because now, it's not just that you're with me, now my spirit will be in you. And the power that you've watched and walked with me and interacted with the power that you've seen, this power, the spirit that's been on me, now it's going to be on you. So it's even better that I go away. And so it's like, we're like totally amazed by the fact, we got lots of questions like, how does this work where there's God the Father and there's God the Son, and the Son says stuff like, not my will be done, but your will be done. Wait, aren't they one? 
okay? But Jesus is speaking as he is man and speaking the way we have to speak and teaching us how to speak that way and understand that this is where we're at. Not my will, but your will be done, okay? So we're learning from Jesus how to be a, a man that walks by the Spirit. He's anointed by the Spirit. And then he says, okay, when I go away, the Spirit who was on me and the power of God is living on earth through my body is now on you, plural. And you, the body, is going to take the work of God to the world. Whoa, this is big stuff. And this is what we're talking about. The same spirit, and Jesus never referred to the spirit as an it. He didn't refer to the spirit as an uh, impersonal force. The spirit is a he. The spirit speaks, and the spirit is God wanting to live and walk with us, but so intimately that he dwells in us, that's only made possible for those who believe in Jesus Christ, who accept what he's done on the cross, and we say to Jesus, I want you to be my savior. His work of the cross atones for our sins, cleans our sins by his work so that God can take up residence in us and we become the dwelling place of God. Okay, I lost you. Um, if you can hang on to that though, we're into, wow, this is amazing stuff. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I've chosen the NLT version here, but this is the word I wanted. You have no obligation. You do not owe a debt to the flesh. This is the word flesh here, translated in your sinful nature. Your flesh doesn't put a demand on you that you have to fulfill. Look at this. You have no obligation. So your flesh is going, oh, ding, oh I've, oh, I've got to have that. And no, 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 no. The same Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is now walking with you. The obligation is broken. You've been crucified with Christ. You have no obligation to do that. You can leave it hanging, unsatisfied, unfulfilled. I know you still want it. You're still in conflict and you always will be until glory. Okay, Some, sometimes Christians think, oh, no, 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 we're not in conflict. No. If you're not in conflict, you're never tempted. Every temptation is because we're conflicted. We're tempted because of what's inside, the dangerous desires inside of us. It's because we're con conflicted that that's still there. But now the Spirit says, here's the answer. I'm with you. You have no obligation. You don't have to. Just leave it hanging. Walk away. And you'll notice that it's diminishing in power and intensity as you walk with me. You actually feel better already. And as you keep walking with me, that temptation gets smaller and smaller and smaller to where you find a victory in that area. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit brings comfort. The Holy Spirit brings counsel. Here's one that we don't like. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. So, boom, you step into this area. Oh, I did the self-centered thing, and all of a sudden, conviction comes all over you. I feel so bad. This is awful. This is terrible. No, it's good. The Holy Spirit is not letting you go. You feel bad that you grieved God. So that's good. You're forgiven. You're loved. 
God's grace is coming towards you. He can't love you any more than he already does. Receive the forgiveness. Receive what Jesus has done. Walk away from that. Walk with me. It gets better. Oh, it's so much better. And one other thing the Holy Spirit does is he gives you gifts and he equips you. One of the greatest gifts I think that uh, I'm really excited about is when you walk far enough away, that area that was so shameful to you actually becomes the privileged area where you are actually having a ministry that's more effective than any other area because this is where I was. I'm in a journey now. That's where I left. It's not as powerful. It's not as bad. It's not controlling me anymore. I had that shame too. Follow me. This works. Now the shame is no longer shameful. It's the glory of God and expressing to somebody else how grace works and how walking with the presence of God makes a huge difference. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Let's keep moving on. Verse 13 and 14. For if you live by its dictates, the simple urges of your flesh, you will die. Paul is not being overly dramatic here. He's just being honest, okay? He's saying, and we get this if we think about it, the life that's totally wrapped up around self-centered tendencies that we've inherited, if you just go with it, it grows. The self-centered tendencies takes over. You've met people like this. You don't like to be around them. They're totally selfish. They're self-absorbed. It's all about me. They're mean. It's all about them. And everything around them gets cut off. Their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. They get meaner and meaner. And they've cut off relationships because it's all about them. Their relationship with their marriage falls apart. It kills it. Their relationship with their children falls apart. It kills it. It's all cut off by their self-centeredness as it takes over their lives. At first, sin, ding, thrills. I want it. Did the pastor just say sin thrills? Okay, we're not stopping there. It thrills for a moment. It thrills for a short season, but then it kills. It thrills, but then it kills. Sin fascinates. Ding, if I could just fulfill that urge, if I could just satisfy that thing that is calling me, it's urging me. It fascinates, but then it assassinates. You cut yourself off from the world around you. You cut yourself off from beauty and design that God has designed you for when you go out of bounds. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, your flesh, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The recovery movement has been able to articulate things that the church has forgotten. The recovery movement got it from the church, but the church in many places have forgotten the truth. And this is what the recovery movement is teaching. On the screen is a phrase that they use, I admit that I'm powerless over, so if it's AA, I am powerless over drinking. I admit that I'm powerless over drinking. 
Then they're urged to turn to the higher power, which we know his name, Jesus. And Jesus gives us his spirit. I believe that the power of the spirit of God will heal me and make me whole. I don't know what your ding is, which is your temptation, and as if you have one. I have many ding, 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 okay. I have a lot, and you do too, all right? And if we admit that we're powerless and we resist this, we want to go, no, I've got willpower. I can do better. I'll do better next time. No. Self is the problem. Self's not going to be the answer. Self is the problem, and your willpower is not enough. You need a power bigger. You have to admit that you're powerless over that, and then walk into the process of growing further and further away from this power where it is starving and dying and no longer controlling you, and Jesus is your master and giving you freedom and joy and blessing. So, B on your outline. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is huge. We are still, so many of us, operating as if we're in a religion of the dead letter code, where all we have is the letters and the words that we gotta just try harder to learn and to live and learn and to live and by willpower choose to live out these truths. No, 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 no. We're walking with the Spirit, and the Spirit is a He, and He will speak to you, so follow the prompting of the Spirit. Best place to start, though, is the Word. Open it up and see what God says. Read it in context, learn how it fits together, but then phrases will leap off the page. Now that's the Spirit prompting. It's a living word. It's speaking, and you need to hear it, and you go, God, I'm not really sure I get it. Interact with the prompting. What I want you to do is write down when the Spirit prompts you. It might be not just when you're reading. It might be when you're praying. God, who should I be praying for? Bing, somebody comes to mind. You start praying for them. Who should I be praying for? Bing, somebody comes to mind. Pretty soon you've prayed 15 minutes and you just keep praying for what God is revealing who you should be praying for. Follow the prompting of the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says this. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now, We've talked about walking by the Spirit. If we do this, there's a promise. We will no longer what? Gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's try that again. When we're walking by the Spirit, we will no longer what? Gratify the desires of the flesh. All right? How does that work on the screen? Let's put it all together. When you are in step with the Spirit of God, here's what happens. You will not gratify the desires of your flesh why? Because you are so full of what matters, you're not tempted by the emptiness of what does not matter. This self-centered life is so small. It's so meaningless. I mean, just, so, eat, 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 eat. Okay. What does that do? It's just me, 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 me. All right. What I want to do is just spend the evening at home and just binge watch and just relax. This is me. This is my time. What does that leave you? But walking by the Spirit, it's like, it's like that's so less than this. So like a shopping at Walmart, here's this pastor who is a very um, task-oriented, write-a-list kind of guy. Bring my list. I'm at Walmart. If the Spirit prompts me, oh, talk to that guy in line. I'm going, I don't know him. It's not my responsibility. 
I mean, I've got my things I gotta do. And after I do these things, I got my ministry stuff that I gotta do. It's like, now I'm in this temptation mode. Uh, Spirit says, no, talk to him, right? And guess what? When that idea hits me, I know it's not me. Jim Hammond never says, talk to the stranger. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No, that's not me. It's like, oh, all right? So, you know, you can get a hold of how the Spirit is prompting you as well. And right now, I'm not asking you to just make sure you do all the promptings. Just become aware that he is talking to you. It's very exciting. This is good stuff. This is good news. It's like, this is real. Now the temptations diminish because this is real and it's more meaningful. I hope that encourages you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you are not only showing us a way out as a turning point, but a way of victory, leaving all of that behind and growing and helping others too. We thank you for that. We ask you to help us to turn to you and find the way out, but also walk with you and develop that life of blessing that we would go the way, the path, that becomes easier and easier and turn away from that path that just gets harder and worse in a self-centered way. Lord, thank you for showing us so clearly the blessings and grace you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.